0: Welcome back to the Testudo Times podcast. We are back from our summer hiatus, ready to go, right in time for football season. There's a lot to talk about. Um, Sam Austria, alongside Ben Dixon will be your hosts all football season, all basketball season. We'll be your hosts for the next eight months. We're excited to talk to you guys um, or, or to, to to talk about the teams. Ben, how you doing?
1: Doing great, Sam. Happy to be back on the podcast talking a little Maryland football, Maryland hoops, you know it's the best time of the year. Uh, Coach Locksley said it, it feels like Christmas uh, heading into fall camp, and for us, you know, it, it's great when we can put content out like this. You know, get the Maryland sports going, and we're ready to roll.
0: Yeah, it certainly does feel feel that way, especially because this is the first time in a long time since since the certainly since we've been covering the team that there's as much buzz around Maryland football as there has been. As we're recording this, we're 19 days away from the opener against Buffalo. We're gonna get into everything, including all that expectation and where it comes from but the first place to start is what they're going to build on from last season obviously 7 and 6 overall record 6 and 6 in the regular season then a dominant bowl victory over virginia tech at yankee stadium in the pinstripe bowl first bowl win in 11 years so the question is how do they build on that and uh, like a, a, from a macro perspective what would a successful season look like for you for maryland football
1: I think it's important to note that, you know, last year's team, you know, started 4-0, and had the loss to Iowa, really just, you know, stumbled for the rest of the season. They were 5-6 and six heading into the last week, destroyed Rutgers, destroyed Virginia Tech, like really just two defensive clinics to go along with those offensive explosions. Um, I think build on it is the term that, you know, everyone's going to use. is the term we're going to use. But, uh, you know, at Big Ten Media Day, Loxley was like, we got to squash the build on it part. We just got to do what we did last year and do it a little bit better, which – you know, kind of goes off that build on it emphasis. Um, I think it, when you're in Maryland and you're playing in the big 10 East, which, you know, who knows how much longer that division will last. And, you know, once that ends, it'll probably be in favor of Maryland. But for this year, that's, that's the schedule. And, you know, it, it's tough to, to have great success when you're playing Michigan every year, when you're playing Ohio state every year, when you're playing Michigan state, Penn state every year, and then you got to play with Wisconsin this year as well. Um, so, I think in terms of defining a successful season this fall, it's tough to say. I, th- I think you have to get back to a bowl game this year and win a bowl game. And I think that's probably the baseline. But of course, you know, there's a lot to go and, and, and 20 games until the 20 days, 19 days, excuse me, until the uh, the season starts.
0: Yeah. And so let's get into the weeds of everything. Obviously, when you talk about this team, you have to talk about the offense first and the quarterback, Talia Tegavaloa. He's going into his third year at Maryland, broke almost every record in the book last season that he possibly could have for single season records he's on his way to break a ton of um records at maryland for his career he what obviously last year um 3868 60 yards passing 10th in the nation 26 touchdowns 11 interceptions but five of those came in one game so he had six interceptions through the other 12 games including um that bowl game uh and then yeah so really when you talk about him he had a great season last year but what can you what can you expect from him this year and what do you think he needs to get better in when you talk when you talk about the progression of this team and how good they can be what their ceiling is
1: yeah really i mean you talk about um last season how he had those five interceptions in one game for silo it really was a a special season for talia um and in terms of getting better this year he's kind of just got a Stay within himself, and and Locksley said uh, at Big Ten Media Day, you know, his biggest opponent is sometimes himself, and he's got to stay, you know, even keeled, make make the right decisions on the on the field. Um, and when we've seen him at his best, and when he's at his best, he's really, you know, a top three, perhaps top two quarterback in the Big Ten, um, obviously behind uh, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. But Talia is is bound for a special year this year. When you look at the whole roster, you know, the wide receivers that are returning and guys coming in, turns the whole offensive line. I mean, it's really his second full year with kind of the exact same offense plus a little bit more talented weapons. Um, I think he's just got to stay, you know, within himself. Don't get too, you know, rattled by the moment. Don't get, you know, look over some, some opponents, just stay even keeled throughout the whole season. And I think, you know, he can avoid having that one game like Iowa, which was really a stain on on his resume last year. Um, I I think there's a chance we could see, you know, 12 consistent games put together by Tugvaloa this year.
0: Yeah, and obviously that's what they want is that consistency because you know it was kind of a similar theme that he played with, like the whole entire Maryland team, where he was dominant against lesser opponents in games they were supposed to win. But against some of these top Big Ten defenses, he kind of struggled. He struggled with the turnovers a little bit. We talked to Dan Enos, he talks about how he struggled with the footwork a little bit. He wants to see him um with his decision making, maybe check down a little more. Uh, not trying to make a hero play That's some of the things Danny knows and, and, Loxley have talked about and just kind of not letting the emotion of the game um, dictate your play. And, you know, those are the kind of things that breed consistency. And when you, when you talk about what he needs to do this year, it's consistency, but it's against, it's against the best opponents. We're going to see Michigan or, or he's going to see Michigan. He's going to see Penn state. He's going to see all those teams. So that's, those are the type of games where people are going to be keying in on, but Look, he's incredibly talented. He has a great arm. He can escape the pocket. The, 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 sky, like, the, the ceiling is really endless for him because he has that type of talent, but he just needs to work on some of these other things where if he, if he does, this Maryland offense, the sky is the limit. And when you talk about that, you brought up the offensive line. So let's before we get into the wide receivers, which is what everyone loves to talk about with this team, let's talk about that offensive line because they're returning all five starters. You know, Spencer Anderson, Jalen Duncan, Mason Lunsford, really the three, the three key guys on that offensive line, probably the three top-ranked players. That, that's, that continuity is so important. And one of the things that I know we both saw last year was they constantly struggled with penalties. And like it was in, in inopportune times where they would get these penalties in red zone situations, on, third, on a third and six type situation. They would get a false start or a neutral zone infraction, whatever it is. They would get these penalties. That would bring them back and they would really be detrimental holding whatever it was. And that's the type of discipline that you want to see them improve in that area. Loxley's obviously talked about a lot, but do you think they will improve in that area? What do you think the continuity does when they bring back all five starters and and they have those reps with Talia?
1: Yeah, you have to think so. I think over the years when Maryland football has been a bad team and even last year, you know, when they took that step in the last couple of games of the season, but still you saw that discipline, you know, really kills bad teams and, and, and programs like Maryland who, you know, I've struggled to get over the hump historically in the past, you know, decade or so. Um, but you have to think the discipline does improve and if it doesn't, it's a problem. You know, it, it's, it's Locksley has been here for a number of years now coming off the extension. Um, and you bring back the entire offensive line, that continuity, you got to be on the same page. You can't be having false starts on, on third and short to kind of, uh, you know, mess up the drive. Um, with the, the offense is still led under talk about, oh It's his third year leading the offense. So it's kind of I think that continuity, not just with the offensive line, but with the entire offense is huge in terms of discipline. Because, you know, you have three seasons working together and now you have, you know, two at, with the exception of covid like two full off seasons working together as well the discipline really i mean it's a non-negotiable it, it has to get better this year and if it doesn't it, it's a big problem
0: yeah and they're really talented i mean like spencer anderson and Jalen duncan those are nfl greedy guys i mean they're they Jalen the Duncan hope is might be they, a top 20 pick yeah exactly they hope the hope is that they make that jump to the nfl next year and so like these are really talented guys they're not like this is a good offensive line and i think when you talk about the jump that this offense and this team will make, a lot of it surrounds the hype around the offensive line, who Loxley has said is the most improved unit. And I think a lot of fans and the expectation is they, they will be the most improved unit. And that starts with discipline and, and kind of just not putting their quarterback and the offense as a whole in difficult situations.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, Loxley also talked about in the spring building that second offensive line. It's not even the five starters that return. He has, you know, 10 guys that he, that he feels confident in, and, you know, Playing in the field, he obviously wants to keep that starting lineup intact, but, you know, throughout the length of football season, injuries happen, things happen where you might have to mix and match some guys. Um, Building that second offensive line was huge for, uh, for Loxley and the team this spring. Um, I also think it's important for, you know, this running back room, which, you know, looks deep on paper, but there is a little bit of uncertainty. It's kind of the past few years, they've had to replace guys, you know, Jake Funk gone, Te'on Fleet Davis kind of stepped up last year, but now Fleet Davis is gone. You don't really know who's going to get the bulk of that. There's, uh you know, Roman Hemby, Colby McDonald, two talented returners who, you know, had good spring games. Um
0: Antoine Littleton, they Antoine they've Littleton. talked really high on,
1: and then uh, uh, what's his name, Ramon Brown, could be a uh, yeah. a wild card as well. The four star recruit that they flipped from Virginia Tech, um, so you really you know don't know. There's some uncertainty with that running back room, but I think if anything, the fact that these guys had this off season and last season as even younger guys to work with this entire start starting offensive line only helps them, you know, progress. Yeah, no, I
0: com- I completely agree, and and the running back really is that key, like. I think they, if they could run the ball, it opens up so much for the rest of the game. And yes, they have young guys, but they've said they're talented, that they really trust them, and they're going to go running back by committee, kind of like they did last year, and they'll see if someone breaks through and someone they can trust more to get the bulk of the carries as the year goes on. But if they can establish a running game, especially early in games, it really is going to make Talia and these wide receivers, the entire offense and even the defense, because, you know, Maryland had a phenomenal offense last year, but something they weren't great in was time and possession. And that was because they were pass heavy offense. When you can control the clock, control the game with the run game, it really opens up. It, it opens up everything for them. So they're really going to emphasize that running game. We'll, we'll see if if it breaks through and if it's something they can rely on as the season goes on. All right, let's get in. We've covered every position on the offensive side of the ball. Well, not tight ends, but every position on the offensive side of the ball, except the one that everyone talks about the most, which is the wide receiver room. They might be the most talented in the Big Ten. Ohio State's obviously right there. Michigan's obviously right there. But they are incredibly talented. If not one of the, if not in the Big Ten, also in the entire country. Um, they have Dante Demas, Rakim Jarrett, and Jacob Copeland. Those are going to be the three starters. Obviously, Dante Demas is coming off. Um, an ACL injury, a brutal ACL injury that he suffered in that Iowa game in that second quarter last season. But he's expected to to be there for Week One. He's been playing; he played limited snaps in the scrimmage that they had last Saturday. He's been getting getting reps in during the practices this fall. So, look, I mean, <laughs> and then you talk about Deshaun um, Jones, who comes back also from an injury, who's who's going to be a, who was a great weapon for them last year, but also. It should be productive again this year. Both guys who suffered season ending injuries last season are back. This wide receiver room is incredible. I mean, there's like nothing, there's nothing else to say about it. And it makes Talia's life so easier, so much easier. I mean, yeah. What are your thoughts on the wide receiver room?
1: I mean, I think just just on paper, it's without a doubt a top 10 to 15 wide receiver group in the country. And if they excel on the field with Talia, it can be even better than that. Um, I mean, look at the talent that's in this room. You know, Kim Jarrett returns. Um, He was in this world of the NIL and transfer portal. You know, there was speculation and not, I mean, not speculation, in an athletic, uh, the athletic uh, wrote a feature on him, Bruce Feldman, um, about, how you know, SEC schools, certain schools were trying to poach him this offseason. But, you know, he's, he's loyal to Mike Loxley. This is in all likelihood, going to be his last year before he goes to the NFL uh, next year. I mean, he had an unbelievable year last year: sixty-two receptions, eight hundred twenty-nine yards, five touchdowns. He's the guy that everyone's, you know, eyes are on in terms of maybe the most talented guy in this room. But when when you heard the news that you know Dante Dimas was going to be ready for Week One, that's the expectation on Big Ten Media Day. I mean, that changes. Surprising everything.
0: news too, because people did not expect him to make that fast of a recovery.
1: Modern medicine, man, it's it it, it really got Dante Dimas going. Um. But no, in, in in all seriousness, when you hear that, you know, there's a chance that he's going to be there for all 12, perhaps 13 games, if you make a bowl game this season, it just completely changes the outlook of this offense. Because if you start off on the wrong foot, and then Dante Dimas comes in in week four or week five, and the spark's kind of gone, it's like, all right, whatever. Like, this really puts the offense on another level from week one, starting right in that first game against Buffalo. He's a guy that, you know, is probably going to get drafted in the NFL last year if if he didn't get hurt. Um, and now he's, he's got, he's a guy who has a lot to prove, you know, when he was getting carted off against Iowa last year, returning kicks, which, you know, I don't think we'll see any of that this year from him. I um, hope not. <laughs> he would hope not. Um He said, he'll be back. And and he is. And the fact that he'll be ready for week one is, is truly amazing. And that's just two guys. You know, you talked about Jason Jones. We haven't even talked about Jacob Copeland. Yeah, he, he had my favorite quote of the entire off season, Florida's leading wide receiver in 2021 transferred to come to Maryland. You know why did he come to Maryland instead of going to some other schools? He wanted to be, you know, with the guys and not the guy. I I thought it was hilarious when he said that, but it's true. I mean, the camaraderie in this wide receiver room it's palpable, and Copeland's kind of epitomizing that. He looked great in the spring game when uh, when the public saw him in, in April, and I think he's also just a really exciting, perhaps dynamic piece that, that's going to make you pick your poison with this group this fall.
0: Yeah, it really is. And they've talked about that, that it is pick your poison. But the interesting interesting thing about it is they do have a lot of camaraderie and they are close, all, the the whole wide receiver room. But they're also all like those three guys, Jacob Copeland, Dante for Kim Jarrett, they've been pretty open about the fact that their goal is they want to go to the NFL next season. So it's it could also be a thing like, like Talia has a lot of mouths to feed because... You know, I'm not I'm not saying that's gonna get in the way at all, but he does have a lot of mouths to feed because these are all guys who who need to put tape together, need to put the resume together to to get get drafted as, as early as they can in the NFL draft, which is what they're looking to do next season. And Maryland really has become wide receiver U in a way, where it's just like yes, it yes. just attracts guys to come here because they just produce phenomenal wide receivers, even before Loxley was here, but certainly since um Lock Loxley took over back in December 2018. It's just been it's been a place where wide receivers want to come because, you know, NFL teams will look at this program and say that they've they've gone through Maryland. OK, like this is a, a program that we trust to breed great wide receivers that are, have proven track record in the NFL. We're going to we're going to take our chance on them. But it, but they have a lot of guys that are looking to go to the NFL. And like it is a pick your poison. You know, if you're, if the defense hones in on Dante or Kim one game like Jacob Copeland's going to have those games where he has nine catches for like 140 yards and a touchdown like he's more than capable of that and I'm I'm expecting to see that. So it's just like the the depth on this team is endless. And that's something you thought you had last year, but you kind of didn't. Once Dante went down, mm-hmm. once Deshaun went down, you know, you thought you had that depth, but you really it kind of just fell apart as those injuries happened. They really have it this year.
1: Yeah, and it's it's depth at the top in terms of just how like you said, these these guys are like three perhaps NFL guys at that are starting in your lineup this fall. Like that's, that's crazy to think. Um, but I think also you, you did make a valid point about Talia having a lot of mouths to feed, And I think it's, it's reasonable to note that Talia loves going to the tight ends too. Like Shago Conqua was a huge part of the passing game last year. I think he had the second most receptions on the team behind uh, Kim Jarrett would have to double check that, but you know, Corey Daitch's at the tight end position is a guy who spent the spring in the wide receiver room due to injuries and the coaching staff, you know, kind of wanting to develop his, you know, catching talent. He's a guy that could go for three receptions a game too. So it it, it is a lot Absolutely. of speed, but it's it's a good problem to have.
0: No, definitely, and and it's interesting you bring him up because he he was a wide receiver and he transitioned yep. to tight end, and and the coaching staff has spoke really highly of him because they do have a huge void to fill with Chig Chig gone now. He's playing for the titans now in the nfl so it, it's it's a, like you said it's a good problem to have but it is it, 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 it might be difficult but like you, you talk about that depth, even marcus fleming who got a lot of reps in last mm-hmm. season because of all the injuries so he has experienced. so if guys need to come out or if injuries happen which they inevitably do during a football season you have that depth there and yeah like you said you have a great pass c- catching tight end now because he was a former wide receiver
1: yeah. Not also, not only him, I think we could be looking at a little two headed monster with, with CJ Dupree too, a guy that the coaching staff is really high on entering his second year. Um, Obviously more of a, a blocking tight end than, than Corey Deitch, but someone who could also be a threat in the receiving game. And you mentioned Marcus Fleming, you know, how about Ty Felton, a guy that got a lot of burn in, in the spring. Um, Someone who, you know, made a slight impact as, as a true freshman, he's a guy who could get some, some, have an impact on the, on the team this year. So I think, where you stand with your, your wide receivers and tight end, just, just your overall receiving core, it, it's it's a big deal. And, and the the team is rightfully high on it.
0: Yeah, and, and two years ago um, in 2020, when Chig took he – he didn't play that season um, for medical reasons. They got zero production from their tight end room. None. At all. And that was kind of a problem for Talia. I mean, obviously, it was a shortened season because of COVID. But that was kind of a problem for Talia on the offense. Next year they come in, there's a lot of hype around Chig. He lives up to all of it, and he was phenomenal as a pass catcher and, and a blocker, really. So now they want—they don't want to go back to zero production in the tight end room. They want to have legit production in the tight end room. They want someone that Talia can trust. They want someone really to be used as a safety blanket if you're not going to necessarily go to your big play playmakers on, cert- on certain occasions. So they're looking to that tight end room to, to maybe not completely replace all the production that Chig brought, but at least fill, fill a
1: huge void. Without a doubt, and I think the tight end room will be important this year, and I I think it's it's in it's in solid hands with with those two guys.
0: Yeah, and so now let's go to the defense side of the bowl. Obviously, not the as esteemed um part of the side, side of the bowl. Um, Brian Williams comes in as the sole uh defensive coordinator. He'd been around for a long time in the Maryland program. Last year's the co-defensive coordinator took over in that last game against Rutgers and the bowl game against Virginia Tech as the 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 number one defensive coordinator uh, he obviously players speak re- very highly of him He did a great job in those two games ske- scheme against Rutgers and virginia tech two wins but now he comes in as the sole defensive coordinator it's not the side of the ball that people talk about with maryland it's you know when you talk about the flaws that maryland has you're looking way more to the defense than you are the offense it's it could be what brings them down on on many occasions what's the i mean What's the biggest weak? They lose a lot of pieces. Samo, Nick Cross, Jordan Mosley can go up and down um, the defense. But what's the biggest weakness that you, that you see with the Maryland defense?
1: It's it's a lot of you know uncertainty. Uh, like you said, I think it probably has to be between you know either the safeties or, or the linebackers. Um, I, I'd go with safeties personally, um, just because you know you're replacing Nick Cross, NFL draft pick replacing jordan mosley who signed as an undrafted free agent um after the draft i mean those are guys that pretty much started every game for not just last year for years like these are guys who were in like the teens the 20s and in, in career starts for maryland like that's that's a big uh position to replace um but you have dante trader who you know great athlete almost played lax at maryland as well um and you have uh beau brede who's you know guys who who could excel at the position um and I'm certainly not going to be the one to doubt them in terms of what they can do. Um, but we really just don't know because um, these guys are likely going to start the whole season. Um, you have guys like, you know, Mosley as well, um, backing up. It, it, it'll really be interesting because you, you just you you lose two guys who are just so reliable week in and week out, even though there were times that, you know, Nick Cross and, and Jordan Mosley were beat. Um but those are just steady pieces of the defense that you'll have to replace. And, and there, there's a lot of uncertainty in doing so, regardless of the talent. We just haven't seen it yet.
0: Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to put it, is uncertainty. You know, they, the Maryland defense has struggled last year. It certainly was the weaker part of the team last season. But there, like a lot of the reason, big reason for that was because there was a ton of injuries, especially early on in the season last year. Like you talk about Deontay Banks. You know, he could come back and then have a phenomenal year after being injured for most of the last season. Um, there, there's a you go up and down the roster. There was a ton of injuries, and that kind of hindered them a little bit, or, or it did hinder them. And you, so, when you talk about the newcomers and everything, it's just like you don't know exactly. It's a lot of unproven assets that this Maryland team has. So they they could be better than people expected. They could be not very great, which is I think what what most people expect, at least the outsiders. Um, but I think it's a lot of uncertainty. I don't think you can like necessarily give them. Um, I think I think it's smart to give him benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt until you see it. Like Tarheeb still, like, Jacorian Bennett, obviously he's a phenomenal um, playmaker back in that secondary. He he had twenty four pass breakups, I think, or no, he had no, twenty four tackles, a ton of pass breakups. I forget it was like one leading in the Big Ten, but he's phenomenal. He. he Something he wants to do is turn those pass breakups into interceptions, which he dropped a few of those last year. Though he still had a phenomenal 2020. He was good last year, but not as good as I think a lot of people expected him to be. I expect him to have a bounce back year. I think that secondary is better than people think. And of course, Deontay Banks, which, which we talked about, come back from injury. I think it's better than what people think. I think they might have a tough time getting to the quarterback. But a lot of those, in, a lot again, it's a lot of unknown, like Jay Sean Barham. He's a freshman coming in, a lot of hype around him. Vondarius Cowan coming from West Virginia. As a transfer, it just it's just—you don't know how these pieces are going to fit, and we're really not going to see until until they play. But I think it's—I think they're going to be better than people think. I'm not saying they're going to be great. It's certainly going to be the weak part of the team, but I think they have a chance to be better than people think because they have a good blend of of experience of guys who have been there for a while, like Ruben Hippolyte, but also guys who are new coming into the system, along with not a new offensive defensive coordinator, but this is his first year as the man of the defense.
1: Right, and it, it kind of goes back to the point that I mentioned earlier about you know playing in the Big Ten it is it's just hard when you're Maryland and you just don't have the talent on defense that some of those you know the Ohio States or Michigan's have. It it, it that's just for in 2022 that's just what the story is going to be, and that uncertainty is obviously a big part of it. I like how you mentioned you know the defensive backs there, Sam, with um or the cornerbacks, excuse me, with Jacorian and Bennett. You know Tar Heap still Deontay Banks who's who's come back from injury. I'm really intrigued, you know, to see that secondary because the cornerbacks and safeties obviously work directly together in in pass coverage, but the cornerbacks are maybe the group you can trust most out of your defense and the safeties could be the one you trust less. I think the cornerbacks can kind of help the safeties in in that regard of experience and kind of, you know, rubbing off each other and and learning things from each other, because it obviously is a similar position at the end of the day. Um, And and I do agree uh, about your point about, uh, you know, having trouble getting to uh, the quarterback because, the linebackers, you know, were in a spot of strength last year. Uh, the defensive line was was okay. Um, and you'd lose Sam O to the NFL as well, who's, who's a big loss. You reload with a couple of transfers. Um, so I think uncertainty is is the right word to use. Uh, I agree with you to give them the benefit of the doubt because we really don't know how the steamland mesh. You know, we haven't really seen it in public yet. So um, I'm excited to see how the defense plays against Buffalo um, and, you know, it should be a tune-up uh, for for the Big Ten schedule. Yeah, and it's it's
0: good that you mentioned this, the schedule because you know some of these Big Ten offenses are obviously electric, and it's, they're really hard to stop. We saw it against Ohio State last year, um, even Iowa. Like A lot of these teams that, that are defensive-focused necessarily, like maybe Iowa, maybe Michigan last year, they still pose all, huge offensive threats. And when you give their quarterback time in the pocket, like even Sean Clifford for Penn State. Penn State obviously struggled last year. They're supposed to be better this year. Sean Clifford will be back. But like he, he's not a, he's not a great quarterback by any means. You put pressure on him. We've seen that if you've watched around the Big Ten, around college football, you put pressure on Sean Clifford. He's gonna have a hard time. But if you give him a lot of time in that pocket and give him all the time of the day, it's gonna be much easier for him to make plays. So if, getting to the quarterback is super important in this league, and we'll see how Maryland does.
1: Right. I mean, it's it's always been about the trenches for Maryland on both sides of the ball when it comes to to the Big Ten. You you just can't you can't get dominated, and if you do you're going to see some more ugly scores. Like we've seen, you know, the first seven or eight seasons that Maryland was in the big 10.
0: We talked about how much improve how much improved they've gotten on the trenches. Um, Especially on the on the the ball, exactly on the offense side of the ball, like where they really should be dominant, but on the other side, we're not, we're not exactly so sure. We'll see how that plays out though. Um Let's, let's talk a little bit about their schedule. We've mentioned some of these big 10 teams where you see them finishing, what the expectations are for a successful season, how you define that. I would say, um, well, you know, at the Big Ten media day, a couple of the players were like a Big Ten championship. That would be an ultra, ultra, ultra successful season. I don't think anyone is expecting that. That would be a complete shocker. If you want to take that number on DraftKings odds, go ahead and, and to, for Maryland to win the yeah. Big Ten championship and you would be a, a, a rich person. But I don't think anyone expects to see that, really. When Let's go up and down their schedule. Um, before we get into conference play, they open the season against Buffalo at home, travel to Charlotte on the road September 10th. And then the following week, they're back at home against SMU. Anything other than 3-0 there will put them in a very difficult spot.
1: I agree. If you don't go 3-0 there, you're not making a bowl. It just, I mean, it is what it is. Um, should be an easy, you know, 2-0 start. Um, I think SMU is is going to be a tougher matchup than people realize. A team that's, you know, ranked, fourth in the American preseason poll. You know, Tanner Mordecai, their quarterback, is back. They have an electric offense. Uh he threw for a ton of touchdowns last year. Um you should win that game at home though. Saturday night should be hopefully a good crowd. Um if you're in Maryland, you gotta, you know, hope to pack the shell on, on a Saturday night primetime national television game before uh the Big Ten. I think goals you can set this year, reasonable or not, I mean, you're not going to win the Big Ten title. I think we you just said that. We realized that. I think you want to, you, you got to beat one of the, you don't have to, but the goal should be to, be to beat, excuse me, one of those, you know, four or five teams that you've historically had trouble beating since joining the Big Ten, whether it be, you know, Michigan, Michigan State at home, uh, Wisconsin on the road, which is, you know, they don't play them every year, but they will be playing them this year, Penn State on the road and Ohio State at home. Um, I think if you win one of those five games, you feel really good about yourself. But this is this is a tough schedule. Like Maryland is going to have problems making a bowl game. Uh, the over under is five and a half, under um, win total. If I'm correct, I, I think I like the over there. I think Maryland will make a bowl game, but it's not it's not a shoe it Like you, you got to really run through the schedule game by game because the Big Ten schedule is, is going to be tough for them this year. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I, I like the I like the over two on the five and a half. But you put the nail on the on the head. But like you really. Like, you talk about building on a successful season from last year. They were six and six last year in the regular season. Let's forget about the postseason for a second. Six and six in the regular season. When you talk about building on a successful season and they have a more talented roster, they, they return, I believe, eight offensive starters and seven defensive starters. Most experienced that's returning in the Big Ten. You're not going to have that next year. You don't know if Talia is going to be here next year or not. This is a year to really. Build on something special last year. I know it's a new season. Loxie likes to talk about that. What happened last year doesn't really matter, but you could do something special this year. And going six and six and making a bowl game isn't a successful, necessarily a more successful season than last year. Or I don't think fans would necessarily look at it as that, it, as that successful of a season because it's what they did last year. Um, or if they went to a similar bowl game. I really think taking that next step, and that's always what they talk about, taking that next step. What does it look like? It looks exactly what you just said. It's beating one of the teams you're not supposed to beat. You beat all the Last year, you beat all the teams you were favored to beat. You won all those games. You lost all the games you were supposed to lose that you were underdogs in. It's beating a Michigan. It's beating a Michigan State. It's beating a Penn State. It's beating an Ohio State, maybe a Wisconsin here. Um, a lot of those games are on the road. Penn State's on the road. Wisconsin's on the road. Michigan's on the road. Um, Ohio State seems like the hardest team to beat that's at home but but like it's beating one of those teams and taking that next step and of of getting to contention in the big 10 east they're in a difficult position where yes they've gone loxley's done a phenomenal job taking over this program he's gotten this program to relevancy people are talking about them ahead of this season but it's getting, you really want to contend in the Big Ten East. They're in an incredibly difficult conference, but also sub-conference where they have to play. Like the Big Ten West, I don't think they would have a problem getting to seven wins. It would, it would be easy right. for, for them this year. But their their schedule is so difficult. You really have to beat one of those teams.
1: Yeah, I think the one game you look at out of that you know group, it's got to be October 1st at home against Michigan State. Michigan State's one spot above you in the Big Ten East preseason poll. Mel Talker's done an unbelievable job with that program kind of achieved overachieved all expectations uh, last year. But, you know, that's a game where you're at home. You know, you talk about taking the next step that that involves, you know, getting everyone bought in. Like if you're three and one, assuming you, you go three, and oh in the non-conference, you're probably losing at Michigan on the road. Like, I don't think anyone thinks they're, pro- they're going to win that game. Um, you got to you know, you got to get the fan base behind you for that October first game, and if you win that game and to go four and one, and you beat Michigan State at home on a Saturday in October, that's that's a lot of momentum right there, and, and it can kind of change the course of not only you know the season, but maybe maybe the outlook of of what people think of Maryland.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. That's that's one of the, those premier teams that if they beat, um, it'll 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 be certainly be a phenomenal win for them. You know, when you look at those, we expect them to beat Buffalo, Charlotte. SMU. Then you go down the rest of the schedule and they should 100% beat Rutgers that last game of the season like they did last year. Uh, Northwestern's not supposed to be very good. You expect that to be a win. And you're five wins right there. And then you surge for the other win to get to six and get to a bowl game, which might be difficult. You expect them to beat Purdue, right? I mean, Purdue's not bad. This, like, it's not going to be a, a... I think... We'll see what plays out, but I think Maryland would be favored. It's not an easy win by any means. Purdue should be pretty solid. But I think you, that's a game Maryland is expected to win.
1: Yeah, it's it's I think Purdue is probably a tough, tougher matchup than than people realize just because of the quarterback play. You know, Aiden O'Connell is a guy that a lot of people have over Talia in, in the Big Ten quarterback. But, it, but it, it
0: is in College Park, too.
1: It is in College. Yeah, I think I think you expect you expect to win that game. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's a game you got to circle on your schedule as a hopeful win, but it, it's going to be tougher than people expect. And it would be disappointing if you lost that game at home to Purdue. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter.
0: Yeah, and then and then you have Indiana too. So, um, um, yeah. I'm I'm just going through the schedule here. Yeah, so you have Indiana too. So that, Indiana, that's also... which
1: you know shouldn't shouldn't be that good this season. You know, I think they're they're projected to finish last in the Big Ten East. Like you're on the road. Like you got to win games on the road too. Like that's also the bottom line. Like you're you're fifth in the preseason poll, and Rutgers is below you, and Indiana is even below them. So Indiana and Rutgers are two you know must win games on the schedule if in in the route to uh, bowl eligibility.
0: Yeah, definitely, and then and then you expect the against Northwestern at home too to t- to be a win. So even if they lose to Purdue, they're still at six wins there. And then you're you you're at a bowl game. I fully expect them to, to be able to get to six wins. I know it's a difficult schedule. I think they I think they can and, and will do it. But I'm I'm looking for, to get to seven and five, and that's that's what I'm predicting the record to be. I'm predicting it to be seven and five because I do think I think they beat um, Buffalo, Charlotte, SMU, Rutgers, Northwestern, and Indiana. Not sure about Purdue, but I do think another win is coming against Michigan State or Purdue. or I think I know it's on the road um, at Beaver Stadium, but I think Penn State, I don't think they're going to be as good as people think this year. I think they could struggle again. That's the third to last week in the season. Um, you kind of you saw them dwindle after a 5 and0 start last season. I think Penn State is a more than a winnable game.
1: Yeah, on the road late in the season is is obviously tough, but I mean, talk about a way to inject some juice into the program and that quote unquote rivalry that's been pretty you know one sided since Maryland joined the Big Ten outside of that that first year, um, and the second year was a close game. I think, um, I think yeah, I think the fan base would would eat that up for sure.
0: Well, yeah, well, also people forget that Maryland actually beat Penn State in twenty twenty at Penn State the last right. time they played there, right. but. No fans, COVID year. It's a different year. It was I, a wacky year. So people the so Maryland fans barely even count that as a win over Penn State and the robbery.
1: But I think I think Maryland fans will point to that twenty fourteen win, winning at Penn State in the first year of the Big Ten where they didn't shake hands before the game and hit the game winning field goal. I, I think Maryland fans will point to that as one of the best moments of the past decade or, or so. So if if you could follow that up with with even a competitive game that comes down to the wire at Penn State, that could really inject some juice into that, you know, quote unquote rivalry.
0: Absolutely. Especially this, this year to maybe that's the game that makes them bowl eligible with late in the season, third to last week in the season, that would be an electric win on the road. Last time facing Sean Clifford, maybe even last time facing James Franklin. Um, but yeah, it's It's going to be a difficult path to six wins, certainly to seven wins to maybe get to a better bowl game than the pinstripe pinstripe bowl but they have a tough schedule and it's going to be a grueling season as it is when you're in the big 10 East. And it's unfortunate that they, they are in the big 10 East, probably the toughest subconference in the entire country, but it's, it's the reality.
1: Yep. That's the situation. Got to deal with it.
0: All right. Anything else on Maryland football you want to touch on?
1: Uh, I think, I think we pretty much, you know, wrapped it up. I think as, as we get closer to the season and we have some more media availabilities and some actual, you know, practices and films to look at, I think, I think we'll have some more insight for you, but I, as it currently stands, I, th- I think we did a, a pretty solid job wrapping everything up.
0: Yeah. So we'll, we'll finish with some Maryland hoops talk um, very briefly. Obviously it's football season, but we haven't done one of these since the Kevin Willard got a few transfers. You know, he's he's Dante Scott stayed, um, Julian Reese stayed, Hakeem Hart stayed. That was the core. That's what you had. You had to re-recruit those guys first when Kevin Willard came in, because that's the core that he wants to stay. And then, they they sure up the backcourt because that was what they were missing when Fats Russell and Eric Ayala left. That was a large, large chunk of their scoring last year and, and their production. But they got Jameer Young from Charlotte. They got Donald Carey from Georgetown. Um, Jameer Young, phenomenal player. Off the ball, can also play on the ball, um, can de- get downhill, score with both hands, uh, quick guy, good, good off-ball cutter too. Uh, Donald Carey is supposed to be a great shooter, um, has has proven to be a great shooter really. So he did a good job showing up the backcourt. Um in terms of the front court depth, not a whole lot um from the transfer portal. I think fans might have expected more. But beyond that, he's done a good job recruiting the twenty twenty three class. We don't have to get into that much yet, but it's it's been it's been a solid few months. I think I think you can give him a good rating, uh Kevin Willow that is, on his first few months as the Maryland head coach.
1: Yeah, I think from you know picking up a starting backcourt was big. Um, scheduling for this year is big, and the 2023 recruiting class, the the latter two, which we'll get to. I think he's definitely done a good job winning over some of the fan base that wasn't in approval of of his hire once he came to Maryland. Um, but obviously, that's to be seen when when he joins the uh, when he takes the court when his team takes the court, excuse me. Um, but looking at this current roster, I, I kind of agree with you. I think you feel good about your starting five, uh, assuming it's Jameer Young, Don Carey, Akeem Hart, Dante Scott, and Julian Reese. But that depth is 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 a bit of a problem, and it's pretty lackluster if if we're being honest. I think to have Ian Martinez as your sixth man, someone you know who came on late in the season last year, but you know didn't really have a good year. If we're being completely honest, um,
0: no, not at all. People
1: expected a lot of him and and the potential NBA draft pick. I think that's really gone out the window completely. Um, look, maybe he could have a bounce back year. He closed the year definitely stronger than he started it um and then other guys you know ike cornish coming off the red shirt maybe he can be having impact Patrick a million transferring from st i think Francis. that's the, i
0: think that's the mystery guy too real quick ike cornish because people say yes, he sir. might be the best shooter on the entire roster and he is he had a ton of potential coming in obviously you didn't see him play last year but he might be a mystery guy that could be a key piece to, to that maryland depth
1: he definitely could be and I, I don't think people know i think at the end of the day you know People did say he was the best shooter in practice last year, and he was a four-star recruit. So you you got to expect contributions from him. And if he doesn't contribute, it's a problem to this team's overall complexion. Um, but, you know, Patrick a from St. Francis, Jahari Long from Seton Hall, never really had much of an impact there. He dealt with some injuries. Um, got a couple freshmen in Noah Bachelor and uh, Kalem Swanton-Roger, who you don't know if they'll contribute. The bench is really a, a big question mark heading into the year. We'll get it more into it when we can see the team, and you know we get closer to basketball season. But it, it's it's a problem right now, to be to be completely honest with you. Yeah, and obviously
0: it, it all depends on what happens on the floor, and we're months away from that. Um, but the, you know he is a Big Ten, like we talk about with football. Same thing with basketball. A very very tough conference, especially in the regular season. There's not a lot of easy wins when when you go up and down the Big Ten conference. But they also struggled. They also scheduled a really tough non conference. I mean, they're going to play in the Mohogan Sun tournament. They'll play St. Louis in that opening game, and then either Miami or Providence, uh, based on what happens in that first game. They'll play at Louisville. Obviously, Danny Manning's at Louisville now, who was the interim head coach last season for Maryland. They lost to Louisville last season back in the Bahamas. Um, then they'll play at the Barclays Center for the second straight year. They'll play Tennessee a great program, and then UCLA in a home-and-home home series. This one will be in College Park this year, and then they'll be playing them regularly because UCLA will be in the Big Ten. But obviously it's a great UCLA program too. Not an easy non-conference schedule, and then you get the conference play. Not going to be easy. It's It could be a very difficult year in Kevin Willard's first year, but I don't think people necessarily expected this to be a, a one-year turnaround. That's not what you're hiring when, when you're hiring a guy like Kevin Willard
1: right you want them to be competitive it's it's the long term and and we'll get into that in a little bit but um I think he did a great job scheduling really getting the fan base excited I think that was one of the big complaints that people had with uh with former head coach Mark Turgeon is that he scheduled you know a lot of mid-major opponents and you know didn't participate in the best of the best in terms of you know early early season non-conference tournaments uh Willard's doing that right away with a strong uh Four team tournament, and then just you know scheduling those non conference games on your own volition um, of Tennessee at Barclays and the home and home with UCLA. I mean, talk about getting the fan base excited. It, it, I, I assume the crowd at Barclays will be great for because there's a huge Maryland alumni fan base up in um, always is there, yeah, up in New York, and then just UCLA at home. That place should should be rocking like like it has been, you know, pre COVID, and even you know last year the crowd wasn't great, but I'm talking you know when they were top ten in the country and they had Anthony Cowan and and Jalen Smith and just those, those first few big 10 years, that place was one of the most intimidating places to play in the country. Um, I think that home game against UCLA could provide a little bit of a preview of, you know, what's to come in these upcoming Willard years.
0: Yeah. And then real quick, just to wrap up um, just on the 2023 recruiting class, he's done a good, he's done a good job. You know, he, like the, the focus was when you wanted a coach coming in was you got to lock in the DMV guys. You, you want the get you want to recruit the guys that are local, obviously. Turgeon struggled with that mightily, and he got a lot of criticism for that. And maybe it's eventually what got him out of the door. But I think that's been Kevin Willis's focus. He knew that coming in, and he's done a good job securing Jonathan Lamoth and Jamie Kaiser um, in those in that 2023 class. It, it, there's it's certainly not done; it's not finished. The work's not done. But that's a good start. We talk about not this season, but the year after.
1: Yeah, I think I think Jamie Kaiser is such a big get that you know the Maryland fan base is aware of it. And I think, you know, on three is one of those recruiting publications that has him much higher than others do. Um, including, you know, ESPN, um, Jamie Kaiser was thinking about playing, you know, college football instead of college basketball. And, and, and I think that's kind of might be a a byproduct of why his recruiting rankings are lower than, you know, we might expect, but I think, I think he's a huge addition. Uh, and then you have a guy like the Harris Smith who could join him in the backcourt of local four-star guard. Um, you know has Maryland in his top five, and then you know the the big fish, the big prize is is Derek Queen, you know, from Baltimore. I think at Montverde now, the number one center in the class, number ten player in the country, a consensus five star. That would be you know, if you got him as the centerpiece to a four or five man DMV class, I think, I think this program could could be heading into you know, the right direction and quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a wrap. You know, we touched on, on Maryland football, went deep on them, and then, excuse me, on Maryland basketball as well. We'll obviously be very football-focused football, football focused on this podcast as the season kicks off in just 19 days. We're getting there. The The, the countdown has begun. We'll have the Studio Times podcast weekly with uh, Ben and myself, Sam Ostry. We're going to have some guests on, too, hopefully as the year goes on. You know, if, if you like listening to us, subscribe, rate, review, download, all that good stuff. And, you know, we'll, we'll keep them pumping week in and week out as the season season goes on.
1: Without a doubt. Uh, definitely excited to be back on the podcast. Like Sam said, leave those comments. We, we look forward to uh, to hearing what you guys have to say, any advice. And, yeah, we're looking forward to hopefully, you know, building this thing this year, getting some guests and, and bringing you the best Terps intel we can get.
0: Definitely. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next week.